Welcome. <laughs> little Michael Jackson laugh. Right at the top of my <laughs> This episode's called Black and White. Um, what was I going to ask you? I think I wanted to talk a little bit about I don't know. Finding purpose, I guess, was the the thought. Um, how we the Catholic message is that we have purpose, but sometimes you know, be I don't think it's it's almost more of a vague, overarching purpose. Like, oh, we're just meant to find God and go to heaven, versus specific individualistic purpose like which yes you you know through you still find it but you get what i'm saying or? oh i'm following you this i love the topic already i just want you to like delve into it so that we can you know look at it from different angles i think yeah so the point is there's an overarching general purpose that um you're immediately given when you're told like God loves you, right? Your purpose is just purely to be loved by God in a way, and and but then there's also that individual purchase, uh, purpose which comes over time, where as you practice or grow in your faith, you you ask, you know, God, what is my purpose? Like, what what do you want? What do you want from me? What do you want me to do in mm-hmm. this world? And I think everyone's always kind of still questioning, like, what is that purpose? And then what is the purpose of all the people who aren't, let's say Catholic, for example, right? So I don't have no actual direction where I want to take it. It's just the topic itself has always, it has just been in my head in the last couple of days where um, as you know, basically like I have like this, like basically I, I like, you know, we have jobs, we have other things, we're doing this as well. Um, And so I've basically really been thinking a lot lately more about what is, what is my purpose, I guess? What am I, am I meant to be doing this? Am I meant to be doing something else? Um, Okay. So let me jump in. So you started off by talking about the general Christian Catholic purpose of being loved by God, serving God, and mm -hmm. eventually getting to heaven. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you sort of ask, but what about our personal purpose? And I think that that question was interesting to me because how do you translate being loved by God and getting to heaven into your day-to-day life, right? Because if I took that explicitly word for word, Mm -hmm. that would mean going to Mass every single day, like being very pious and praying, literally putting God over everything else in my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe it's, I guess, my shortcoming because that life does not appeal to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way I sort of squirm my way out of that is I tell myself God has put me on earth to just do other things, not just do that. And uh, and so let me even pick at that statement. Uh, Then I have problems with people just claiming God told me to do this because I don't don't hear... (laughs) Uh, God speaking to me or like I yeah. don't hear his voice in my head I hear other voices in my head but that's just like 
more craziness coming from the inside, right? Um, so yeah, it's I I just have I'm just trying to ease my way into this because there's just so many things. Because straight off the bat, and maybe we come back to this, maybe we don't. When I hear the word purpose, I sort of think about the philosophy of like Albert Camus and other guys who sort of spoke about nihilism, mm-hmm. where to me it's so easy to fall into the trap of we can pretend that each one of us has purpose in life and a kind of like religion is just a story that you tell yourself just to you know move on to the next day or get through something difficult but have you ever asked yourself if there is no purpose in life then what happens yeah yeah and that's a scary thought do you think for yourself personally um everything would fall apart um if the if that became the the result of all your thinking, you kind of just concluded, you know what, there is no purpose. Would that give you literally no reason to live? Would you? I think for most people, the no purpose to live leads to just hedonistic pleasure seeking behavior, mm-hmm. right? Because if there is no forever, if there is no eternal, there is no quote unquote tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Carpe diem, do whatever the hell you want. But that. I, I think for most of my life is just a fight against nihilism, the fight not to give into nihilism mm-hmm. because at times it is so compelling. It makes so much sense. But then uh, people who are religious are the same people who, who tell me, oh, God told me to do this because I had discernment or whatever. Mm-hmm. The same people tell me, oh, that's the devil talking to you. Right. It's and like, I think what those people have, I don't think they're making up stories. I think I don't have the thing that they have. It's like this gift to discern or the gift of faith or whatever it is for. uh, I see it as I'm trying to claw my way and reason my way into something Mm -hmm. that sort of makes sense. And even if it makes sense to me for a few years, I I'm at peace with it for a while. And then I start questioning it all over again. Well, sorry to kind of go back a little bit, but it's funny you say the whole, you know, maybe these people have a skill that you don't have because I don't know how common, but I've definitely met a few people in my time who use that. Oh, oh God told me this to justify actions. Then you kind of tilt your head a little bit and you don't want to say, did he though? But you kind of feel it like in your bones. Like you're just like, how did why right like there's just so many question marks so I, I like i'd say when i was younger i mm-hmm. tended to have more of that reaction mm-hmm. uh but at this stage in the game i can almost i don't know if i i'm just if i choose to believe this or what it is but i sense that okay this person is actually convicted genuinely convicted that this is what they're supposed to do and that leads me to question what is the difference of you believing mm-hmm. that god told you to do something versus god actually telling you to you to do something because we talk about religion and faith mm-hmm. as a leap it cannot be justified by pure logic yeah like no matter how much logic you add to it there's always a leap so yeah. some people just choose to take a much larger leap or you know like let me get to, further up to the top where I can see the other side mm-hmm. and then I'll leap. 
because it's closer. Yeah, but I think the thing that we've always said, though, is right, you need to be very self-critical about the leaps you're taking mm-hmm. because then you fall um, into, you could jump into literally traps, mm-hmm. right? And um, to your point, you're talking about like, oh, people you've met who are just very convicted. I've met people who are very convicted and you tell them like, are you, you know, you maybe question them and they'll go, you know what, I'll, I'll pray about it. And then they'll come back the next day and be like, yep, God told me, or, you know, this person, like whoever they were praying to was like, yeah, yeah, this is literally what I've been told. And you're just like, and again, you don't want to be that person to be like, no, but at the same time, um, it's like, sometimes it doesn't also work like that. Right. It, It goes back to the joke. um where i was telling you about the guy who's like oh it's flooding and then he's like oh car comes by and he goes hey get in the car and he's like no god will save me and then a boat comes by later and he's like no god will save me and then a helicopter and then he dies and then god's just like like what do you want from me i sent you a car a boat and a helicopter and like it's like people are basically maybe expected so then they you think and feel very convicted but in the stuff they're just very (laughs) self-confident so uh, so i I look at that situation and I almost check it as how in what scenario is what they're saying makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Because someone who is secular or someone who hates God mm-hmm. and hates religion could come up to you and be like, okay, so explain to me why you believe. And I think that question is very similar to the question you're asking this person. And it's just like different forms of belief, different levels of belief. In both cases, both of you could be just talking out of your ass and like not actually know right mm-hmm. yeah so like i i see myself in that person and i also don't connect to that person all at the same time but again there has to be some form of a framework that you can kind of plug in a situation and say okay is this from like is this person doing um, or hearing it from God, or, or, or are they kind of just using that as a catalyst or a tool to go yep. with what they want, right? Catalyst is the wrong word, definitely a tool. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like, when people tell you, uh, when people speak in tongues, or when people say the spirit has moved them, mm-hmm. how do you react to those people? Do you think all of them are being disingenuous? No. Not at all. But there's a difference between um, someone saying they've experienced that and someone else, like someone saying they've experienced, let's say, like, you know, the gift of tongues, which I've heard, again, from my, like, what I've been told, when, as a someone who um, is in, like, the vicinity, who just hears it happen, there's something, they say, angelic about it. Like some, they can't, it's only, you know, it's like a feeling like, it's like almost like, oh, maybe like maybe a warm, something warm comes all over, like comes over you. Like, I don't know how to define it, but the point is there's something that they say is undefinable, but they feel when they hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have again, someone else though, who will say again, I'm, I'm very much more specifically focused on people who would be like, let me pray about it. And then they go a couple days mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, I can, I'm very convicted. This is like, yeah. where I go, what was the process there? Like what is, and probably like there are people again who are right and they are being told this is what it is. But there are also people who are just using that as a tool. So I'm more focused on that, right? Not so much someone telling me like they have a gift of tongues or sure. gifts like okay, that. Okay. Cause that to me, it's like, 
then let me refocus on the uh, yeah. person that says, okay, I went and thought about it and God definitely wants me to do it. Yeah. Right? Um, that person is kind of interesting to me because they can fall into one of two camps. Uh, either they're, they're unwilling to introspect and really question themselves out of fear of being wrong. Because mm-hmm. when you commit something, when you commit so hard to something, uh, there is a massive element of fear that I just put all my eggs in the wrong basket. So I might as well pretend that I made the right choice. And that <laughs> it's true. Like fear, fear leads you to do some crazy things, right? I think, now, sorry, I was going to go back though. If you take a step back though, I was actually going to use the fear. I was actually going to bring up fear, but I was going to use that as an element of when someone is genuinely feeling called. Mm-hmm. Because when you're, when you feel like you're being called to do something, same thing, you fear being wrong you fear that maybe you're not hearing it right so you tread lightly you don't then just punch through the door and go yep and then announce it too especially to everyone nope yep this is what god wants instead you're kind of like i'm not sure right it kind of to go biblical for a sec like the moses right the story like the whole story of like he hears a talking bush and then he's not like yep here we go like he's literally like me like are you sure and then still the whole time being very like what the heck why am i doing this right um in a way that kind of that fear is a good indication that maybe somebody is actually on the right path because they're being pushed into an uncomfortable position that they don't necessarily feel like they want to be in versus the people who are very convicted and feel very excited about it I'm not going to say every situation, but I think in a way that might be more of an indicator of someone who might not be fully um, being called. Maybe I'm, this is kind of a bold I'm, statement. I'm, I'm, I'm making the claim. I'm not making the claim that they are being called. I'm making the claim that they are not being called. Oh, okay. And because that they've told everyone already. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So you, we're on the same plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I just said is what you said. Okay. Sorry. Uh, basically, what we're trying to say is fear is all around us. Like if you do mm-hmm. one thing, you get fear like fear gets you one way if you do the other thing fear gets you the other way mm-hmm. uh the case that i brought up uh, basically said you just proclaim to everyone that god and i are tight mm-hmm. right uh but now if you have doubts about it or if things are not going as planned you're not going to tell everyone oh yeah by the way i just lied maybe god didn't talk to me because mm-hmm. how are we going to validate that anyways yeah so that's that's where the fear of acknowledging that you're wrong comes from and in your case, which I think both of us relate to more, is even when we know that uh, we're being pushed in one way or we're called to do or we're meant to do this thing, mm-hmm. we will sort of drag our feet and be yep. like, oh, maybe not, maybe not. It can be me, right? And in both cases, fear is the thing that's trying to like rule you. And in both cases, you need to find the right answer. And it's hard in both ways yeah but i would say it's less hard for the first for the the former i think when you're um confident enough to just kind of like you said announce into the world the fear of being wrong in the end wasn't that big of a fear or you wouldn't have said it in the first place right uh, let me question. I, I think i, I want to bring this person out uh, like flesh them out a little more. Okay. So I'm almost asking like, what are their motivations to, for claiming that God spoke to them? That tends to 
come from a place of insecurity or pridefulness or or just general genuine excitement if we want to be more positive you can say genuine excitement they're genuinely excited okay. by what they think god's calling them towards but see, it's different if you're genuinely excited yeah that doesn't mean that you're unwilling to admit when you're wrong i'm talking about someone who proclaims that mm-hmm. yeah god told me to do this and we're tight and now that you realize oh maybe not the person who is prideful the person who is insecure about being left out mm-hmm. that person will cling to that even more because if they don't have this special relationship what do they have i agree with that that's fair right and that's where the fear sort of eats away at you so you're saying but like i guess going back to what you're saying then you're saying that's harder or I'm, just I'm as hard or claiming, I'm claiming not harder sorry you did, yeah hard. but uh, you claim that it's easier for the person who just just openly claims it and i'm saying why why are they not admitting their flaws sorry i don't maybe i did but i i think i'm more like i'm not really here to argue or i don't really care to argue which one's easier or harder i think i was looking more for indicator um the person who was afraid to kind of even publicly address or even for themselves like personally believe that they are being called to something i think that fear is a good indicator of probably being called to do something potentially not all the time but you know because the idea is that it's uncomfortable and you're not you're so uncertain which is usually what God wants, right? He wants to push you into uncomfortable positions to make you grow again the Moses. And even if you want to like remove the God factor and just talk about human psychology mm-hmm. there, it's pushing out of your comfort zone. Is like, growth in general. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like you are going to question yourself. You're going to be very like ambivalent and like, uh, what mm-hmm. if I mess everything up? What if the things I already have are going to crumble as mm-hmm. a result of this action? I completely see that. Yeah. So it's valid. It's a valid fear most times, mm-hmm. but the whole paralysis by analysis, right? Like the more I sit down and think about it, uh, the more I'm actually moving away from what I'm supposed to do. It's funny though, actually, because if you actually, you're saying take away God, right? What if you took away God and applied this to, again, just like a secular look, right? Or a secular view. The person who actually just has more confidence is better off. It's actually worse to second guess yourself. I agree. Because there's no, um, you. The only reason it was good in the initial example was because it's an indicator that maybe God is calling you to do something that you're uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. In the other situation, if you're kind of over, not overly confident, but if you're confident to the point that you're ready to just say, "This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm ready to do." It's the whole fake it till you make it kind of mentality where this person is just ready to go in and it gives them the opportunity to do something like push themselves. Mm -hmm. They probably still feel uncomfortable, but they're willing to put themselves in there while the other way is much more, it's much more crippling and you'll fear not being like good enough. So then you don't try and that's worse okay so so it's like it swaps uh, i I think think i see it two ways now the first thing that popped into my head regarding confidence is do you have founded confidence Mm -hmm. right because 
I I think that people like a lot of the world sort of tells you fake it till you make it. It's sort of a good way, and a lot of people have gotten success through it. And that's always come in the way of my like need to live authentically to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. So my first question becomes, what is my confidence founded on? And I almost have to like convince myself that the confidence that I have in certain aspects of life mm-hmm. are have been earned based on my past experiences. Because the trick uh, comes into play where you have done the things in your past that should yield confidence, but despite that, you still doubt yourself. You still question yourself. And at that point, like you have to sort of step out of the fear. Yeah. Versus the other one where you just have confidence because one day you woke up and decided that you're going to be confident. I think that kind of confidence does not last. When you truly get tested, um, either you lie and, you know, you sort of uh, cover your tracks and mm-hmm. that's where the insecurities come out because the confidence that you're projecting is based on nothing. Or it's just based on the sheer belief in yourself. Yes, but what is that belief in yourself based on? I think, for example, belief in God, belief in yourself, belief that your friend is going to be there for you yeah. is based on their past experience. Okay, let's hypoth- let's play you know, a hypothetical here where the person is um, confident solely on the basis of a delusion that they're just great. They're just great. Yeah. Why could that not be enough? I think we can probably pull up a lot of cases in the world where people who are delusionally confident Mm -hmm. have succeeded. But what I'm posing here is that that success would often be short-lived. It's not sustainable. Because there will come a point in time where the stuff, the hard work, the mm-hmm. skills, the abilities that have created true, genuine confidence, only that will last in long term. So you can fake stuff. You can, you know, like, oh, I'm the high beast, whatever. Mm-hmm. And when you truly get challenged, it'll falter. So just to clarify, though, yeah. I'm not saying that um, someone's confidence um based off delusion um or founded in delusion will always or not will most likely end in like success i think i agree with you most likely it'll end in just failure because it's delusion like it's not based on any actual achievements or hard work or but it doesn't mean their confidence will waver i think that's where of course You'd like to think yes, it would it would shake you up and then make you realize you need to whatever put the work in. But I think if you have a level of confidence that you just think you're great, and like you said, it's almost like a fear to even accept that maybe you're not because you don't want to live in that reality. It's easier to just keep believing you're great and that no one sees it. Okay, but, you may not get success, but it doesn't ever gonna. It's never gonna shake the fact that you you're you're confident, right? Uh, that I think is very possible. I, I see, and you're saying it's possible, and I'm saying that 
in, in in very rare cases that makes no sense to me because you can continue to have this delusional confidence mm-hmm. but then you're eventually living in a world where the people around you are not living in the same world as you are so you're actually mm-hmm. creating a separate reality well they did that the second they said to themselves i'm great <laughs> yes it's funny cuz I think a lot of people can use that as a temporary bridge mm-hmm. until they, they reach build the they, skills or, yeah. you know, to give them that first push. But the reason I completely disagree with the existence and the uh, persistence of delusional confidence is that the person who has a delusional confidence about themselves is just going to create an alternative reality where every single person around them mm-hmm. knows that they ha- they don't have the stones to back it up. So like, and that's where the insecurities come in. That's where uh, the person who claims that God speaks to them, mm-hmm. like we know that's not true because what, like where's the proof? Where's the evidence mm-hmm. in your own life, in your own demeanor, right? You just sort of become an arrogant jackass and, it's like, oh, good, you're special. God talks to you. <laughs> like, and same thing with people who are Catholics or Christians mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like, where is the proof of God in your life? Like, don't tell me to go to church. Like, show me that you actually love God, that you love your religion through your actions, mm-hmm. through the way that ha- it has affected you. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm, I'm, I'm more about action as well over, yeah. over words. But let's go back. I think I, I really like the way that you brought up purpose. Can we look at it? Well, I wanted to a, look at it yeah. through a non-Catholic lens. Okay. No, no. So why, uh, why purpose? Like, are you questioning your purpose or what you're supposed to be doing? Or you feel like you are doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing, but there's this nagging feeling in the back of your head. Like, is it really... Um, but okay, so to sum up, or to, to, to the best of my ability, to sum up what, why I even brought this up, I think there are so many different ways to approach a person's purpose, um, especially uh, on a secular, in a, in a secular viewpoint. Um, you know, my purpose is to just be a good father, son, succeed at work good career be a good person you know and they're all good purposes and i think that's where i've kind of found myself like is my goal just to be a good person and um be a good husband live a good life and you know be a good impact to the people around me like base level purpose just essentially do good be good Mm -hmm. or is there more, right? Is there more of a, um, I guess like, it's not just enough to go every day, just uh, like going to work and, you know, being a good husband. It's more about you need to go out there and really try to, not be a speaker necessarily, but like impact the world with on a larger scale. Okay. Uh, I'll answer your second part. And then I saw a question in the middle there. That, yeah. Uh, 
I feel it was not addressed. Uh, being a speaker and impacting the world on a larger scale. Well, that's wrong too. I'm not. I yeah, don't know how to define no, no, no. it. I'm just saying, being called to do more. More. Yeah. Okay. More. So some I, anything. I don't know what that is. I think, in each person's life, you based on the attributes or the skill level or the talents you have in different areas, and your potential in those different areas. You're just, for example, one person's just gonna like go ham and, like you know, climb up the executive ladder at work and really. Because that's where they get fulfillment. That's their purpose. Sorry, that's can I clarify really thing? Sure, go ahead. Um, I think to to another way of looking at it is, is it to be generically a good person? Okay. Or is there a def- a, a fine not a finite more more definitive role, a definitive purpose that is specific to the individual, like, so this is actually this is a better way of looking at it because I I wasn't happy with how what I was the way I was seeing it initially because it was like wrong. I just felt it. I was like, this is not yeah, what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah. Let's say your purpose is you're going to, we're going to go biblical again. John the Baptist. He was, he was okay. He was a speaker in a way, right? He was, But remove all that. He was supposed to be the, um, what is it? The kind of like the opening show for God, for Jesus, right? Like the idea is that that was his role. Or if you were, let's say, be an apostle, your purpose was to follow Christ and then be an apostle and then do something. Or um, this, this is a bit of a joke, but not really. It's like, or if you're Judas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like a the, lot of people like, struggle with his role like in the world. Right? Yeah. But like, what if that's your purpose? Like it's, in a way, right? Yeah, there is this. The, yeah, the Judas is a whole can of worms that a lot of people like, really question i had the same question about mary actually mm-hmm. like what if she said no it's like yeah no angel i don't want a random baby in my uterus <laughs> see you tomorrow i can't so, deal with this yeah. yeah 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 so same thing with judas like each one of them had an option i had a choice to yeah. opt-in or not and like judas went all for it you know do you ever see though the whole uh what angels really look like sorry this is a bit oh, of a yeah. tangent i know i know it's and then the whole crazy. when you look at the biblical message it's like do not fear mm-hmm. it's like why would you be afraid of a, a man with wings that's so weird and it's like because the reality is you actually saw that and yeah, you're just yeah. like <gasps> like i would actually be pissing my pants <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. oh that's i'm pretty cool. sure i would have be like yeah put a uterus in me like just don't kill me <laughs> do whatever you want <laughs> just as long as it's human <laughs> yeah like that's fine just <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, let's let's go back to what you were saying because I think this is a very um, yeah um, okay back to purpose. You're correcting yourself on it's not necessarily about public speaking and like it's not to be like oh like audience. I'm gonna be some huge celebrity pop like I, I really actually like knowing like you knowing me I'm actually very I didn't want to be in front of the the cameras for this at all right mm-hmm. um so. It's more, yeah, though, like, is there a definitive purpose? Like, or like, for example, maybe I kind of always thought of this idea where what if one day I meet somebody who just I happen to be able to have a conversation with them that just directs their life in a different direction, you know, in a... In a like you direct their life. Yeah, like the conversation changes their life, let's say, and they decide they are going to just improve on themselves, Right. Maybe not even in a Catholic way. Just like they 
decide to just change their life, like their career path. And then that career path impacts, I don't know, some community, let's say, like, because they're in, um, they become a social worker and then, so they impact a community. And then in that community, there's a kid. And then it's like, you know, the whole trickling effect of like the butterfly effect. Um, thank you. Cause I was going to get to it. I was like, that's yeah. Um, where my purpose was to just direct that person to that job so that that job could then affect, and then that's your like that's that was your purpose that was your goal okay on top of always like i think the general purpose of being a good person that's always going to be there but i think in the grand scheme of you know if quote unquote a design what if you, you have a purpose like that so are you saying that it's too simplistic to like because the way i see it uh, you would not be able to meet that person to be able to say the right thing at the right time and have mm-hmm. the wisdom mm-hmm. if you did not continue to pursue your own overarching purpose. Which is so just being a good like person. Different particles in space interacting with each mm-hmm. other. So because you have charged up all this energy in yourself and like you built all these skills, the ability to just talk to people, which a lot of people mm-hmm. miss, and the ability to be open uh if you didn't work on yourself to that degree then when this opportunity came by mm-hmm. you you wouldn't know the right things to say to this person and they would not pursue the social working thing that would change a whole village or a city somewhere and and i don't think that is the end point of your purpose because who's to say how many people that you've missed speaking to and how many people that you're yet to speak with right like it's um you don't know uh the fruits that your work can yield until the end yes but in pursuit of like you said um just being a better person improving on yourself you fill a role like because you are given a different set of skills so you improve on certain skills in which then prepares you for that moment, right? So to your point, to kind of elaborate more on what I was saying about my purpose, let's say hypothetically being to do this, where I talk to this person and then it causes a butterfly effect. The person um, who basically gets into social work, let's say they're just really good at also fundraising for these communities. um, And this person's job isn't necessarily to impact the uh, individual in that community with a conversation like what I did, but their ability to, again, physically, physically serve, serve and, and actually provide financial aid to a community is what gave the opportunity to the other person to then do, again, some other greater good. Sure. So their purpose was to utilize their skills. It's like a utilization of your skills. Yes. For this greater purpose in which you were being called to, in his case, do that job. Like that would be the more definitive purpose. Like your purpose is to do that job, to, to work in this, in this, in this field. Okay. My purpose being, I need to have these conversations with you know, these people. Like, sure. or is that kind of, 
I'm still not hearing a question because I agree with all the things that you've said. Mm -hmm. But so you agree? Uh, you think there is some form of purpose like that? That's kind of where I'm going at it. Is there? That's what I said when I'm questioning it. I'm thinking about these ways of looking at it. Mm -hmm. I'm not happy with the idea that purpose is just generic. Of like everyone yeah. needs to improve, but then to think that everyone has a specific role to play and how it plays into everything is also kind of a very, I don't want to say weird, but it's like, how is that possible? I guess in a way, right? Like there's, there's gotta be bystanders, right? Like not everyone's in the NBA, right? So it's like, and I get it. This isn't like a, a spectator show or spectator sports, sorry, where everyone is watching or most of the majority is watching and only some people get to play. We're all playing in this game together. Mm -hmm. Um, trying to help each other so in a way it's like hot potato except you never actually have a timer that ends and everyone just needs to continue passing the potato because we all need to like share it shell the world mm -hmm. um so in a way you're like yeah that's why we just improve on ourselves but it's like i don't know like <laughs> no so i i i do believe that we are playing on a court mm -hmm. where every single human being is a player. No one's a spectator. Mm -hmm. The only difference is that, and I think people do this, where people create hierarchies and where it's like, oh, only Adele and Ed Sheeran are singers because they're renowned worldwide mm -hmm. versus some guy who's just sitting down and singing in a basement. Mm -hmm. Like his singing doesn't matter because it's not being listened to by billions of people yeah but perhaps the person that he's singing to really cares about him loves him and that's the best song that they've heard mm -hmm. right yeah uh, so that's it's it's a very human thing to attach external external rewards to something that just has intrinsic value just the act of singing it's mm -hmm. fun it's joyous it's it allows you to express yourself it doesn't matter if you're doing it in a basement or like on a world stage. So just like that. And going back to people and their abilities and their potential. Some people are called to be like priests and lead a congregation mm -hmm. or be the Pope and lead the world's Christians or whoever. And some people are called to be a mom or a dad and just make sure that their kids are good. And some people are not even called to be that. Maybe they're a teacher and just like teach, that's their purpose. And the part that I sort of sit down and think about is all the moments where I was supposed to fulfill my purpose and just didn't rise to the occasion because I didn't do enough work to be ready for that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing about that is no matter how many opportunities you miss, there's always gonna be a next one. So for example, in your example of like talking to this person that would eventually fund like an entire village, do social work and like go from there. You probably missed talking to five of those people because you were busy doing something else or you were self-involved or you were just lazy. Right. But that doesn't mean you'd miss the next one. Like there's so many permutations of human interaction that, you don't know what's coming next. But, and uh, to me, I guess, sinking the secular and religious sides of things, where a lot of people do believe in faith or God's plan. And if you look at it from like the religious side of things, f 
for someone to create all these people throughout history and have a plan where every single plan has a backup plan and we can even count the number of plans that are existent mm-hmm. and that also sort of links to the multiverse but i'm not going to go in there but on the secular side with fate fate sorry is the universe is sort of has has a plan for you so the good or the bad something fruitful will come out of it right so i i don't know if i answered your question about purpose but uh to answer the overarching thing i do believe that everyone has a purpose that is important and that's where going back to the hierarchies some people might say some purposes are more important than others and i believe that is true right for example the whole winston churchill like if he was not the prime minister of england at during world war 2 who knows what could have gone differently oh there's this other historical example of uh there was a um, an example where the russians were given commands to launch mm-hmm. a nuke but one guy said no i'm not going to do it around like cuban missile crisis and like that person prevented a new world war or nuclear war so is is the effect that individuals could have on each other mm-hmm. but then on a larger scale on the world so here's a fun question then do you think people are meant to play the villain as well so in these examples world war 2 hitler did hitler just completely miss the mark on their purpose <laughs> made his own little purpose or because in order to also have heroes you have to have villains mm-hmm. right it's the whole we all can't be um rich because then what would define rich right rich is defined by an excess at least maybe maybe i'm misdefining but i I would assume it is an excess um or wealth is i guess defined as an excess versus um if everyone had the same wealth then are we all would we all be wealthy or would we all just be well off or would we even be well off right it's like the whole something is only exists because of the absence of that or the opposite countering it and so, showing yeah sorry with the hitler thing you almost come full circle back to the judas was judas meant to betray mm. jesus yeah um and the way i make sense of that is each of us are born with certain nature and nurture factors right so he probably had well he did have his experience in world war 1 and like yeah uh the crash of the german economy all that stuff so who's to say that the person who was meant to speak to him to prevent him from going down that path just wasn't ready to have that conversation or let's not put it on everyone else or maybe when the person mm-hmm. had that conversation with him he was unwilling to listen he was unwilling to relent um now bring that back closer to today's world mm-hmm. who's to say that a couple that gets married and have kids and the the dad due to situations in his life becomes an alcoholic. Mhm. So he is arguably causing a lot of damage to his entire family, his kids, and it'll like continue a cycle of just abuse and things, right? So like how open is he to acknowledging that he's messed up and changing? So I think to kind of um 
add on to that just a bit, make this a little bit more, I want to say complex, but almost convoluted if you, um, is that, is it, would you credit um, or acknowledge, I guess, the devil in these situations as a character that plays a part in kind of redirecting people or would you just want to take human accountability right so like you said maybe in the grand perfect plan right things would be perfect here or potent or close to if we all did our role right so okay let's start let's actually break it down let's start um, go Adam and Eve biblically. Devil plays a role in convincing Eve to do something wrong. Right? Had she not made that choice, things would be different. Like it, it's like the cat. Like so, not the cat, but it's. Um, so I guess I kind of answered my question to some extent, but I would love to hear your opinion oh, yeah, on it. Sure. Where the devil either plays a part in creating these. Um, oh man, you know in the show Loki. Okay. Variants. Variants. Okay, with the T. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Variants. Math. I just think variants. Yeah. Analysis. No, no. So with Lo- uh, Loki, the whole idea is um, there is a gr- like a, the perfect timeline or the grand timeline or yeah, something, yeah. and then if you fall out of that timeline, make a, a deviation, then you're a variant, and then you need to be removed, and then the whole universe needs to be reset. Isn't this one of those things where it's like? going like you're talking multiverse like god had this initial plan with adam and eve and then literally with those two it's just right off the rip like variant number one (laughs) (laughs) so maybe we're in this alternate no i i think that's a much more playful and like it's a more difficult question to answer yeah go back to garden of eden eve with the devil as a snake and whether hitler was uh i guess driven by demons and the devil to commit all mm-hmm. of those atrocities. Um, I I struggle seeing the world through that lens mm-hmm. for same. the same reason that I struggle with being like, oh, God spoke to me. Because mm-hmm. both in both situations, you are directly claiming that you interact with the supernatural world. Mm-hmm. Whereas the way... I'm not like bashing it or saying it's false. I just don't see the world i can't talk about the world in those words but i can talk to, about these situations in the sense that within each of us there's the potential for good and the potential to destroy mm-hmm. and the serpent or the dark side of hitler right all the pain and the suffering uh they just decided to push it outwards instead of like trying to work on it they're like no the world needs to suffer with the the way i did Mm -hmm. right um so you're kind of you're putting accountability on us as humans to yes because i guess if you want to tie in the biblical Mm -hmm. thing uh the devil also tempted jesus but jesus did not give in Mm -hmm. so the same way when your mind plays tricks on you psychologically and it has it could have nothing to do with anything supernatural Mm -hmm. uh it is your prerogative no matter how hard to fight it and a lot most not most a lot of people a lot of times fail to fight it Mm -hmm. and that's where we end up hurting other people hurting ourselves right um but i choose to see it as a psychological thing 
mm-hmm. not a supernatural thing. And I'm not saying the supernatural thing does not exist. I just don't see the world that way. I, I've, I think I've been on both sides of the fence um, when it comes to seeing it supernatural and then also just refusing to see it supernatural and kind of just look at it more re- realistically. Um, pragmatically. Pragmatically. Yeah. I was going to say pragmatic, but I was, yeah. Okay. Well, um, no matter what we say, you're going to like rub someone the wrong way. But yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as we're both on the same side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, cool. So, and the reason though is because I'm sorry. There's so many ways to go about this. Um, so I was talking to someone else, a uh, friend, one of our friends, about uh, conspiracies, right? And there is this. It's interesting where when you want to discuss certain like political topics, there's almost like a a little left turn that you can make where you start to teeter into the conspiracy alley where oh what if the government's trying to and and you don't want to <laughs> because no one wants to you know be that conspiracy there like it, it there's almost like a you di- you discredit yourself almost when you start going down that road mm-hmm. but it's when i imagine myself in the op- like as a political uh, in a uh, as a political power that's actually one of the best tricks I could like create is do things that are so outrageous that people would be like, you would never do that. And it's like, yeah, why would I? And then no one wants to ever really try to push that, this, that, that idea that I did that because it's the whole, and then to kind of bring it back, it's the whole, um, the devil's greatest trick is that he made it. So the world forgot that he exists. Right. The greatest the devil over is convincing the world that he doesn't, doesn't exist exactly so good. It, but it's true though right because the idea is that if we don't want to play this card of oh, the devil is doing it because it sounds crazy mm-hmm. right it sounds very um like supernatural and um woo, like for lack of words um <laughs> you, like right so then you don't you don't want to play that card but that is literally the by definition that that's saying right happening in and so it's hard to essentially what i'm saying i'm on both is i don't i want to look at the world i think it's better to look at the world pragmatically and and give reason to things and and take accountability because there's also the fear of you know not fear but there's also the danger of saying oh the devil made me do it like that's silly that's ridiculous you have choice choose better do better um but it's also good to acknowledge. That. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like. Uh... So, so let me let me explore that a little more. So I think the trick here is, you want to see the world the way it truly exists, mm-hmm. and that does not necessarily mean where supernatural stuff is false. Because mm-hmm. if the supernatural stuff is true, mm-hmm. you want to see the truth where yes the good stuff, the God, the angels exist Mm -hmm. and the devils and the demons do exist. And we (laughs) pretty much end up in a place where you're really questioning the existence of religion, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you believe in your religion that says there are guardian angels looking over you and there's a God that died for you, Mm -hmm. uh, by default, the devil exists. Yep. And the devil is trying to convince you to, 
to live a life that is opposite to what god wants you to do in order so that you don't yeah it's funny because back when i was like 14 15 years old Mm -hmm. when i didn't like leave my room or you know just like spend time thinking to myself i was wrestling with whether or not i believe in the existence of the devil Mm -hmm. and that's when this sort of like train of thought came to me where okay if i truly believe that god is real angels are real Mm -hmm. i don't have to ask the other question Mm. because by default the devil is real yeah but and at this point in time sometimes i even question whether god is real or angels are real so now i'm like okay i can question both ways and if i choose to go down the path of um the Mm -hmm. non-supernatural like psychological uh, analysis of people then okay that makes more sense because it's balanced I, I would find it very interesting to hear from a person that believes that God and angels are real, but don't, doesn't believe in the devil. Because that's where the trick lies, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, God is there. He loves me and he's sending angels to me. But the devil can be real. That's just too horrible to imagine. I think that'll be very rare, though. I, I don't imagine someone who gets very or kind of believes spiritually in God doesn't then attribute the the bad in the world to not god so right because how most for most people or at least you know i've been watching some videos as well about um for atheist arguments as well where one of the issues with believing in a god is how can then all this travesty and evil occur right how does god allow that so i imagine someone who's spiritual who believes in god must answer the questions for why is all this bad stuff happening? They have to attribute it to the devil. So I don't know. I, I can't imagine that. Out. I think that yeah. is the easy out. It is an easy out. I'm not saying uh, it's not. It's just the, the more complex answer or the beginning of a more complex answer is literally the existence of free will. Like even, and you and I sort of like have discussed this yeah, before. Yeah, of course. Where even if God has created us, just the mere fact that we can say no to whatever he mm-hmm. wants like that causes suffering right away within ourselves. So it's like your mom tells you, go clean your room because someone's coming over. Mm-hmm. And you just say, no, fine. Then someone comes over and like there's hair and clothes all over your room. It's like suffering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. For who? <laughs> Who's suffering? <laughs> it's It still makes sense. I get it. I get what you're well, saying. I think the part I skipped is like when you get beat after <laughs> Sorry, let's refocus. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's the it's the uh, whole acknowledging devil, not acknowledging the devil. Um, I think at least for myself, and I think we both, I think we share the same opinion. Um, it's not blaming the devil for everything. I think at the end of the day, whether the devil is behind certain things or not there's no use in looking at the world through that scope. It's better to look at everything as just human decisions, human interactions, and whether there was this little whisper, you know, little like angel and devil on your shoulder kind of speaking in your ears or not is irrelevant because everyone is 
in their own head making decisions. So to attribute the decision making to an outside voice whispering to kind of convince you otherwise or do very versa, there's no value added to that. So let, let me... It just creates a scapegoat to blame when you make bad choices. I okay. think that's the... At least that's what I uh, that's what I've kind of come so down you're, to. So you're looking at the negative aspect of the devil being real. I I think that's a huge positive aspect mm-hmm. as well. So on one end, and this does come down to personal accountability. Okay. Uh, but in one case, you're like, oh, the devil made me do it. You know. Yeah. It was my fault. The devil made me do it. But I think w- the benefit of believing that the devil is real, mm-hmm. um, you get to externalize an enemy mm-hmm. right in one case your own psychology is your enemy so you're in one way fighting yourself which becomes very difficult mm-hmm. but the benefit of externalizing the devil is that you now have this separate entity to fight against and oftentimes people are able to work way harder and surpass limits when they have that purpose Right, and to add on to that mm-hmm. is if you do believe in God and angels and devil and demons, you also know that you're not fighting that alone mm-hmm. because you have God and angels helping you yeah. in that fight. Now, if you sort of, it's almost like if you attribute if you it have to yourself, divided by fifty, oh, okay. and you just sort of like take off. Let's take off angels. Let's take off demons. Let's take off God. Let's take off the devil. Yeah you end up with the lowest common factor of it's just you fighting yourself. Yeah. But there's this whole other supernatural thing happening in the background. But at the end of the day, the psychological thing still could be true. It's mm-hmm. all just happening in your head. I know. I get it. Okay. Like, no, I like what you're saying because it's, the, it's, um, it's the difference between hating on yourself for, making these mistakes versus attributing that this is not who I really am, but I have a propensity to make these mistakes. And, you know, the quote unquote devil is in my ear tempting me to do so, but I can fight the devil. Like you're saying, use a lot, utilizing angels and God to then rid myself of that. Yeah. I I think further my point i'm not sure if i said this clearly so let's say you have you in the middle yeah and then god and angels and devil and demons right yeah so let's just say the angels cancel off the demons sure right and then the god factor cancels out the devil factor Mm -hmm. and so now the psychology is just you battling yourself yeah okay like the one flaw i see there is like god is not equal to the devil so you still have more left over in the numerator compared to the denominator. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess that uh, this is a different take where I'm almost making the argument that all human beings tend to good compared to evil mm-hmm. because the force for good is more strong, is stronger than the force for evil. Because the devil, if the angels and demons cancel each other mm-hmm. out, but God outweighs the devil, therefore you edge towards the good <laughs> even in your own psychology so sorry just are you you're saying the um that is the pragmatic way of viewing things right it's like like if you just cancel out the spiritual con- aspects of the internal 
fight that mm-hmm. everyone goes through mm-hmm. it, it it just comes down to personal decision making but are you saying that's a pro or con or you're just saying that i don't think it's a pro or con i think if people struggle viewing the world through a su- supernatural mm-hmm. yeah psychology answers the question yeah still you're still going through some kind of internal battle yeah um where i i don't know if i fully agree or disagree with you yet i i I think I lean on the idea that people are more inclined to do, I don't want to say bad things. I think shittier things is the better, you know, part of the language. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not necessarily bad. It's just like you, you kind of make crappy decisions, right? I think we're, we're more likely to make crappy decisions. Um, Where you were implying this idea that humans are more likely to do good. I think, we are our own um, worst nightmare. Okay. It, it sort of goes to a larger question. Are, are humans naturally righteous or evil? Mm-hmm. Like, and further to that, is a baby righteous or evil? And at what point does that, because uh, that baby eventually, hopefully mm-hmm. becomes an adult. And at what point is that human being, that man or woman, righteous or evil? Okay, so actually, I'm not going to answer that question. Even though I've said we're more likely to do um, crappier things, I will redirect or reattribute where that's coming from. I think, I I actually, I do think that it's it's just genuinely, genuinely harder to do good things Mm -hmm. than it is to do bad things. So the fact that bad things tend to always just be the easier decisions makes it so that we lean towards what's easier okay um i think it just okay makes sense to say that right like we if you had a choice between the mountain like to trek the mountain or take the car you might take you'll take the car right we will choose the more efficient or convenient way Mm -hmm. but a lot of times in choices and decisions the harder way is also the good like the okay. good thing uh, so how do you explain all the good things that people do or all, even all the good things that you do mm-hmm. like why if it's easier to do the hard thing why does anyone do anything so then? you're right so it's, i guess i agree with you then humans have a more of a desire to be good be better do good things i think we just tend to make a lot of bad decisions or bad decisions tend to stick with us more Right, we will we'll remember the negative more than the good. Negativity bias. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, that's also another possibility. But actually, really, something I'd want to explore later on, because okay. I'm actually really, I I think honestly, if I go back to who I was five six years ago, you asked me this question, I would have been like, no, good people are good, they're naturally good, and they, and I don't know why, <laughs> I'm realizing like you know your viewpoint shift you know over time and. I think I've definitely become a little bit more pessimistic, which is not good. I don't want to be that pessimistic. So, um, which is funny though, because earlier I did say also people aren't always trying to out to get you, which is, so there's some level of optimism still, but there's also, uh, when you say people are out to get you, that sounds bad. Sorry. I meant like, um, I think I was saying it earlier where I was like, I don't want to believe that people are 
always um actually what did i say it was like essentially i was implying this idea that people are trying to they're not trying to um they're just trying to do the best that they can yeah or that when people make certain decisions they're not just directly trying to harm you Mm -hmm. right so there's this level of optimism that people aren't these like like villainous yeah yeah. yeah. villain yeah villains but i'm still a pessimist in thinking that people though will just genuinely generally choose the easier Mm -hmm. road i guess and i I don't want to change that but yeah yeah uh, to me this you know when you speak to adults and they always yearn for their childhoods yeah this it's almost that innocence that naivety of oh my gosh yeah you know the world is and i don't know i think it was aristotle or something where he sort of goes through the life cycle mm-hmm. where at the end i because where you uh maybe you call it pessimism i maybe struggle with nihilism mm-hmm. right where it's like what's the point what's the purpose of anything that mm-hmm. i do um and i i want to believe that there is this point where i will be able to see the world like a child again yeah and just that belief makes me want to like keep trying that you'll be able to get back to back that. to the optimism that naivety like not not exactly like a child mm-hmm. but with all the knowledge of man but still the uh perspective not perspective you optimism though not optimism that you would the optimism of a child too. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay so um, but it's like a child at age nine and being a child at age 60 Mm -hmm. are vastly different things yeah i agree and like part of me is like can is it actually possible and that's where i don't know i do think it's possible i do um quick question though do you you ever watch childhood shows or and i'm i'm not talking like just random cartoons i'm talking i was going to say yes <laughs> like captain planet johnny quest yeah of stuff. course yeah. of course but i'm i mean i guess more like nostalgic uh basically moments uh, of tied to innocence so childhood moments or content that's tied to your innocence where you look back and go, man, life was just so much simpler back then. Where I'll give an example. I was actually on my computer and somehow I got on a, on a Bobby Mitz world, like just this crave to like watch. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go click on some episodes. I think it was like a clip on YouTube. We just started a whole rabbit hole where I'm like, okay, I'm, I got to get back in on this. And on just the purity, the purity in the, in the messaging, like in the in the yeah the message of the show, right? The moral of each story, just the the humor itself, right? There's just something that I was like, it reminded me of how I used to see the world, how I used to have so much more optimism and excitement, and and that made me kind of like get in my head a bit about like wow, like I don't ever want to lose. I don't want to ever be too far from that person. Because I think like you're saying, kind of going to what you're saying, I think there's no point in viewing the world in a pessimistic or, in your case, nihilistic um, view. 
Mm-hmm. It it just sucks the fun or life. There's like the sucks the purpose out of life. And you must keep your optimism in order to constantly, like you said, keep keep kind of. So I I just forward. had this thought. I think one feature that's built in mm-hmm. for human beings to regain that optimism is the mere fact of like having kids. Because when you have kids, you start seeing the world through them. Them again. Right? Mm-hmm. So you do reclaim that. And if you're lucky enough, you get to reclaim that again as a grandparent. Mm-hmm. Right? Where now you also don't have all the BS of like poopy yeah, type yeah, of changes. Yeah, yeah. But you just get to like see how this little child or toddler is reacting to these completely novel situations. Mm-hmm. And perhaps those are opportunities for adults who have grown pessimistic mm-hmm. or nihilistic to, it's kind of like sitting down and watching cartoons, right? It's mm-hmm. like, oh yes, the world is nicer. The world was so much simpler when I woke up yeah. on Saturday morning and threw on the TV. Yeah, but it's, I think that's one of the pitfalls. It's not the world, not the world was. The world is still and has always been mm-hmm. this way. And all the things, all the baggage that I've accumulated over the course of my life does not matter in like when compared to just the wonder of this world. Mm-hmm. So going back to the question I posed to you, though, has there been anything nostalgic that has triggered that kind of optimism? Speaking like scientifically, the two things that usually bring most people back mm-hmm. is uh, music and oratory. So like your notes, certain smells or oh, stuff your mom used to cook. Okay. Like your sense of smell is the most closely sensed tied with memories, which is mm. crazy. Um, well, so yes, uh, ask you a question again. I lost my Have there been any nostalgic yes. experiences that have, kind of brought back some level of optimism sometimes it'll just be like a thought of like oh i remember something stupid my brother and i did Mm. when we were kids i'm like that's hilarious you know but it's so easy to just let go of those you know those moments of like oh yeah that was fun it's like no you're not supposed to have fun you're supposed to be not you almost as you get older you tie yourself to like an identity or Mm -hmm. an ideology yeah uh and you're like who am I if I'm not nihilistic? Mm-hmm. Who am I if I'm not pessimistic? Because when I was not pessimistic, I got burned by these five people. Yeah. Right? So you almost get guarded. And the beauty of a child is that they're not guarded with anyone. Because mm-hmm. if you've never been hurt, <laughs> what's there to fear? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, again, it's that, it's that innocence, right? The innocence that... So there's... Uh, <laughs> It actually, um, a bit, again, a bit of a tangent, but, um, I used to always wonder, it kind of answered, it's like a completely different question we'll go into later on, but I kind of was like, you know, if, if, if I were God and there was a purpose to like even having, creating humans and like loving them and stuff, it's, it's to kind of, like you were saying, see the world through their eyes, kind of that purity and innocence and like, Mm. cause, and then if you, um, Sorry, I'll go into that later. I don't want to actually go... Th- Let me try to pick yeah. this up. Um, how do you fight pessimism and nihilism as an adult to regain that sense of childlike wonderment about the world? I think, is that not one of the questions? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I think that if we can answer that question, it, like, that is one of 
the key solutions to a happy life, right? Whatever that means. Honestly, okay. I'll just chime in really quick. Truly, it comes down to not allowing those shields or those guarded, like, those memories of, you know, negative things happening affect your encounter, uh, your interactions, not encounters, um, encounters too. Sure. With others, basically. Don't allow it to affect how you treat the other next people. person that yeah. you see. Now, how do you differentiate not allowing versus not acknowledging? Because those are very different things. Because in one side, it's like, oh, I'm actually not pessimistic. I'm mm -hmm. not nihilistic. All those things never happened to me. And therefore, oh, yeah, I'm buddy-buddy with everyone that I mm -hmm. see. But the harder uh, case is acknowledging that weight that's on you. Mm -hmm and still being open to other people like how do you get there i think you and i are just going back and forth asking each other questions because we don't know the answers but let's just uh, you know <laughs> but i think if i go into my own like my own life okay there was definitely a moment where i was feeling the weight of and that's kind of why i have some more of a pessimistic view but i'm trying to get back to that optimistic um perspective is because i felt that weight from uh feeling judged or feeling burned or getting burned and then not wanting to give people the benefit of the doubt anymore or especially it's maybe new people was easier but then obviously the same person it's like oh, yeah. why why should i yeah. give you another shot um i think one is when you internalize that everyone is literally just trying to figure things out and acknowledging though that not everyone is also trying to just be a better person right off the rip so some people are just going to be kind of dicks dicks <laughs> acknowledging that that's the case um allows you to kind of let go it's it's kind of telling yourself this person just sucks so you're saying like well they just suck it's fine um not everyone but again some people do but well, in a uh, way though you're it's just you're not putting so much weight on saying, wow, people suck. You're just saying, unfortunately, currently in this person's state of being, they just kind of suck. But hopefully they get out of it. Hopefully they maybe become better. Maybe they're nicer. But for now, I'm going to try to improve on where I suck because I'm sure I've hurt other people too. Mm -hmm. So it's again, it's it's starting to create optimism and create a reality. It's almost like a somewhat of, a framework where you categorize people so that you can not be jaded by saying, you know, overcompensating and saying everyone or people are okay. like this. You're just saying, well, these people were, but these people were great. So people in general are just trying. So let me help you, I guess, dissect that a little further because mm -hmm. I will reflect back to myself and yeah. like who I've been in the last week or the last month. I can, if I reflect on myself, I'm like, yeah, I've been kind of a dick. Mm -hmm. like for the past month or so or sure. whatever right so if i was a dick to you would you then bucket me with the other dicks and sort of say oh this person is not a good person he's not actually trying to work on himself or at what point will you check back in with that person and see like okay have they changed because on mm -hmm. in one case you just shut that person out it's like okay they're too toxic they're too uh all mm -hmm. about themselves they don't actually want to change 
But what if that person was just going through a phase mm-hmm. of dickishness? And then now they're, they want to seek out that change. And perhaps just check in with them would... Just you checking in with them would then enable them to change. So how do you draw that line? <laughs> um, okay, so are we specifically talking about you or in general? In general. Because I think... Why, bring I literally no, 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 no. Okay. Not at all. It's it's I actually was thinking I was bringing it back to what we were saying about our purpose. Mm-hmm. If I, if we may go for full circle for a bit, um, because the role I may play in your life, my purpose might be to affect you and the the circle, the net of people around me, right? The web of people. If you're talking about someone um, in the outer part of that web, if I interact with them there's no canceling, right? Like, I think that's the thing. Once, if you put them in like the bucket of saying, okay, they're unfortunately just not doing great right now, whatever, you're not saying they're forever going to be that way, right? You are hoping they still improve. So when you meet them, you are going to be guarded with them. Yes. But the idea is that you're also looking for some kind of indication. Indication, exactly. Now, going back to the whole full circle, what I'm trying to say is, with that kind of mindset, you open the door to potentially, like you said, being the conversation that may help, like you said, mm. bring that person mm. in a different yeah uh, light. Now, where I'm kind of just trying to bring this back even tighter is that person, though, may never re-enter that web in which it was never my job to interact with them and help them. Mm-hmm. But they will meet somebody who with a fresh pair of eyes, we'll yes. see them yes. and help them. Yeah. Right. That's why when I'm asking, is it you specifically, I'm saying, well, you and me are so close that if you ever were a dick to me, the tolerance that I have to you being a dick would literally be so high that you would have to kill me before I would be like, I yeah. don't like this guy. Yeah. So I'd be dead. So it wouldn't even matter. Right. Um, so the point is I will always be that person in your corner to help pull you back out mm-hmm. of anything. Yeah. Um, while again, someone who's a little bit far, far, far removed can't be bothered, right? Unless that person and me shows s- that they try, try, or yeah. even like our, our paths cross yeah. in a roundabout way where time has passed and I don't really care anyways. And denying someone help when they need it, I think is the worst thing you can do because if you didn't like how that person treated you then, and you deny that help, you're just adding to maybe making them worse. Right. So so I think these things are way easier to say than to do because if someone truly hurt you and they're calling out for help, mm-hmm. it is impossibly like difficult to answer that call but, or but, want to answer But here's that the call. thing, though. The person is probably most likely not going to be calling out to you. So I'm talking okay. about a situation okay. where the only way I'd ever end up interacting with that person is where we would just buy pure randomness luck, luck yeah. just cross cross paths and then it's like oh hey what's up so in this situation is the person reaching out to you and like saying oh i'm sorry i was a dick i want to do better or are they coming to you already like oh and these are the things that i've no, already done i'm i'm, I'm thinking it's like they're just you meet them and it's just very casual Okay. And then you notice they're just a little bit not as uh 
annoying or like you said indication right so you notice maybe something's up just something's wrong and then you have a decision there to either be like hey is everything okay Mm. or keep it keep it very civil and then just walk away that's kind of your decision but you can and then that door opens and then all of a sudden you like you said become a a role in their um helping them recovery or whatever whatever it is rehabilitation yeah. Back from the dicks. <laughs> Back from the land of the dicks. <laughs> I think that's yeah. a very uh like That's no, that's a very idealistic view of things. Oh, for sure. Uh, we're definitely simplifying a lot because yeah. the thing oh, that I have the biggest qualm with or like the thing that's not sitting right with mm-hmm. me in terms of actually acting because yeah. we can sit here and talk about what the right thing to say and do is. Yeah. But the fact of interacting with someone that has hurt you mm, like that takes balls oh yeah like this has gone further from the dicks that takes yeah. balls. <laughs> you know like uh because there's there's something about emotional pain mm-hmm. that is i don't know it sort of it's hard to like develops your yeah. brain your logic oh, your yeah. everything so. it's just it's very personal and private right it's